God is calling us together as a church and he's revealing himself to us in greater greater measure and I just think that's the most exciting thing and uh, and I love the fact that today is the Sunday of the year where we really get to celebrate Epiphany. You know I said at the start so Epiphany is my favourite Christian festival. It really, really, it really is. I absolutely love uh, Epiphany. Uh, and Epiphany uh, was the, Epiphany is always the same. You know, some of our Christian festivals, you know, they move. The, you know, things like Easter Sunday, it's on a different date each year. And some things move around, but, you know, Christmas Day is always on the 25th. Epiphany is always on the 6th of January. Uh, so actually, this is the first Sunday of Epiphany. And uh, an epiphany, epiphany, I can't even say it now, epiphany uh, is, uh, is the time when we are reminded of and we remember the manifestation or the revelation, the revealing of God to the world as Jesus. What an exciting thing to remember. What an exciting thing to celebrate. And, um, and the story that... We remember first, uh, Epiphany is the story of the wise men, the story of these magi who travelled from the east uh, to come and visit Jesus. And, uh, and actually the, the important thing about, about these guys is that they were not Jews. You know, they were, they were Gentiles. Gentile, if you like, is kind of the catch-all phrase for people that weren't Jews. And, and what we see here is suddenly Jesus came and was God revealed. But not only God revealed to the Jews, but God revealed to everyone, to the nations. Suddenly there, were, there was no kind of little elect group. God had been revealed to the world. And the word epiphany literally means to appear. To appear. You know, and that's what we celebrate. That's what we remember at this time. The fact that, that God has appeared to us. And not just to us, but to everyone. No matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter what your cultural or religious background is, it doesn't matter. Jesus has appeared and he has appeared for you. He has suddenly stepped into history. God has stepped into history in the person of Jesus so that we might know his healing and his soothing and his love. That all of us might know that. What an incredible Incredible thing to celebrate. You know, it's the fact that God is not a kind of a far off, aloof, distant God. But he's a God who has appeared to us and wants us to know him. Wants us to have a relationship with him. And Jesus has done everything, everything that was required so that we might know God. It's so exciting. If you like the kind of the journey from Advent through to Epiphany uh, is a little bit uh, kind of like the journey from, uh, of expectation and waiting through to revealing. I've got a little girl called uh, Adelaide, for those of you who don't know, she's four, uh, just turned four, in fact, and, uh, uh, and this year was, was, I think it was the first year that she has, she's kind of properly got expectation and waiting you know I think last year she probably understood all oh, this excitement but this year she suddenly understood waiting 
And she was so excited and expectant throughout December as some presents appeared under the tree. And she desperately wanted to open them there and then, but we said, no, no, you've got to wait. And she understands waiting. It doesn't always look like it. She understands what waiting means. And, and she got more and more and more and more excited. And then suddenly on Christmas Day, the big reveal and all the paper got ripped off and suddenly the presents appeared. And it was just the most exciting thing and she couldn't contain herself And that's a little bit what it's like for us as we move from Advent through into Epiphany. We have this season of waiting and preparation and expectation. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is revealed. God appears. Not just to me, not just to you, but to the whole world. That's what he's come for, so that we might know his healing, his soothing, and his love. And, you know, as we enter this new year together, you know, my challenge for us really is is that we should look after one another. You know, I I think what's really exciting for us now is that as we go on reading through the Bible, we we realise that what Jesus did when he was on earth was to set up and establish the church. It was one of the things that Jesus did. And, uh, and then we're told now that actually we, as the church, not just us, but church is, the church across the world, are now the body of Christ. You know, and in the same way that Jesus stepped into history and appeared, God appeared through him, so now we are the body of Christ. Jesus' hands and feet on the earth today, and we are those who reveal God and Jesus to the world. You know, my challenge to us is to think about that and to look after one another as we do that, as the body uh, of Christ, to remind one another about this incredibly exciting journey, this exciting life that we are on together. Yeah, I don't know if any of you... um, did any New Year's resolutions? And so I'm kind of, I'm starting to get bored of New Year's resolutions, basically because I'm rubbish at them. Um, I, I, so basically, this year I thought I'd set the bar low, so I wasn't going to go for you know all the classic kind of eating and gym and stuff like that because I never, I never succeed with those things. So I, I thought, right, I'm going to do one New Year's resolution, and um, and that's going to be to drink more water. Sounds like a good thing. I figured that's a low bar health kind of resolution, and so obviously I got an app. And, um, and there's an app where you can basically tap on an empty bottle of water and it gradually fills up your bottle of water as you go through the day and you can track your drinking. And I thought, this is brilliant, this is brilliant. And uh, four days in, I was already behind uh, and finding I was having to drink even more water than I should and then I was just going to the loo all the time. And, it, and I just thought, and, and so actually, you know, I, I, I just thought, you know what, I'm, and so actually, this is my first confession of the year uh, I've already failed and uh, the app's gone. So that's basically as far as I got. Um, but you know, the thing is about news resolutions and the thing is about me trying to drink water is I know that it's, it's a good thing for me to drink water. I, don't, I, didn't, I, I know that. It's what I know. I know that it, I need to drink water and it helps me to be healthy. But I guess the thing is, is that when we do New Year's resolutions, we, it's, it's about reminding ourselves, you know, because I know it, but I don't do it all the time. And, and one of the things that I was reading over, over Christmas reminded me of this. There's a, a, a verse at the beginning of 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1, where Peter's writing uh, to the church, and he says, 
you know, you, you guys know what it is to be church. But I'm going to remind you of it. Even, even though you know it, he says, I think it's one Peter, 2 Peter 1.12, I think. He says, even though you know it, I'm going to remind you of it anyway. It's good for me to refresh your memory. You know? And I think as we step forward as a church together into this new year, you know, I want to challenge us to look after one another, to love one another, to remind one another of what it is that we already know, that Jesus loves us and that we're here to share his love with the rest of the world. You know, I love church and I love this church. I love that you are all here today. You know, I love that we get to do this stuff together. You know, I'm so excited to step into this new year with you all. Because, you know, SPS, St. Paul's Shadwell, this church is a remarkable place. You know, I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again, because I want to remind you of what you already know. You know, SPS is an incredible church, an incredible part of God's family. And God has been doing so much in and through you. You know, you have an incredible vision to make disciples, to transform communities, to plant churches. And the amazing thing is, is that that is what you do. It's not just some vision statement that's out there. That is who you are. It is what you do. You know, and I, and I believe, as I said earlier, that actually this church has, has a rich mandate to, to draw together the church across East London to do these things. To draw together the body of Christ in this place and to tell people about Jesus, to celebrate, to organize, to relate well and to evangelize. That's who we are. I'm so excited that we get to do that with Alpha this term. There is a real generosity here in this church. There is a real generosity. You give so much, not just as individuals but collectively as a church. You know, you've planted four times over the last five or six years. You know, that's so much giving away. You know, you've sent out so many leaders, begun so many new community initiatives, and that takes a lot. You are so generous. You give so much. But I'm aware that in the midst of all that generosity and all the change that goes with that, it comes at a cost. And sometimes it's painful and sometimes it's unsettling. And that's the flip side of generosity and giving, if you like. It comes at a cost. And I really believe, as I've been thinking and praying, uh, that God is wanting to lead us as a church into a season of soothing. You know, and I believe that God really spoke to me and said, look after yourself. That as a word for us, as SPS, God is saying, look after yourselves. Uh, and there was one word that I just really felt that God very clearly gave me, which was the word balm. The word balm. Now, I, I don't know about you, if... Um, at Christmas, I, the thing that often happens to me, uh, present-wise, is I always tend to get basically one thing loads of times. So does that, does that happen to anyone else? So basically I get, so, and obviously a few years it's happened with socks, 
obviously. You know, it goes without saying, but it's true. I think a couple of years ago, I got like 16 pairs of socks. I think I might have mentioned it to someone that actually I need socks. And so everyone just bought me socks. Um, so lots and lots of socks. I think last year, uh, I basically just got loads and loads of beard oil, which was handy. Still using it now. It was good. Um, this year, I got loads and loads of hand cream. Which actually I'm really happy about because I'm a bit of a hand cream fan, love hand cream, but I've got hand cream everywhere now. I've got hand cream on my desk, I've got hand cream by the bed, I've got hand cream in, in my car, you know, I've, I've even got, I've got lots of hand cream on now, I'm trying not to drop the mic. You know, I, I really quite like hand cream now actually. And I think, you know, one of the things is that, I, you know, I get, you know, maybe it's my age, I don't know, maybe it's just because I, I work so hard with my hands, I don't know. But I, uh, you know, but I, I find I just, I need something just to soothe my hands, you know, I need some balm. And, uh, and, you know, I believe that God is saying to us as a church, you know, I want to take you into a season of soothing. You know, I want to cover you with my, with my balm, the balm of the Holy Spirit, the balm of fellowship. You know, that together as you look after yourselves, as you love one another, you know, I want to soothe and I want to heal. I want to show you my, my love because that's what we are all called to show to those out in this broken world who so desperately need that healing and soothing and love. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to start off the year by just doing a short series called, called Balm. And thinking about how can we look after ourselves. Uh, and the key verse that we're going to come back to uh, is in Galatians, um, it's actually Galatians 14 and, and uh, 5.14 and 6.2 uh, and it's here, I'm just going to read it now. We're going to come back to this each week and it just says this, it says, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbour as yourself. Carry each other's burdens And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Let me just pray for us as we just continue to think about this. Lord, I thank you so much that you revealed yourself, that you have appeared to us. That we might know your healing, that we might be soothed by your love. Lord, wherever we are at, whatever it is that we hold in our hands, whatever it is that is going on around us, that, Lord, that we might be soothed by your love. Lord, as we spend the next few weeks thinking about this, God, pray that you would uh, appear in greater detail to each and every one of us for your glory. Amen. Amen. You know, I really do love church. I really do. I love church. And I love this church. And I am so, I'm so excited that Charlotte and I and Adelaide have, uh, are here to share with you, to share our lives with you. So excited to step into this new year uh, with you all. You know, I really think it is amazing that we are in this thing together. We are church. We are Jesus' body together. That's who we are. 
you know, and, and actually we get to share God's love to one another. And that is the most healing and soothing thing of all. And I say this because, because I know this, because this is what I have experienced in my life. And uh, in the spirit of SPS stories, I wanted to tell you a story just share with you a little bit about how, uh, how I and how us as a family have, uh, have felt God's soothing love through the Holy Spirit and through fellowship. And it all kind of begins uh, in, in May in 2012. And it really should have been the happiest day of of our lives. I feel quite emotional now. It should have been the happiest day of our lives. You know, Charlotte and I had been married for uh, just over 11 years and we found out that we were pregnant. And we were over the moon and we headed to the hospital for our scan to get our first proper glimpse of our child. And uh, we got to uh, the hospital and we sat in a waiting room and uh, we got ushered in to see the sonographer. And, uh, and they started doing a, a scan uh, on Charlotte's belly and we were all excited. And, uh, and then suddenly the sonographer just said, oh, oh. And we, that's not what you want to hear <laughs> when you're getting a scan. And, um, and she, kept, she kept scanning and she, and she just said, I think there's a problem. And she wasn't able to give us any details, really, about what this problem was. Uh, And it was really unsettling, and we didn't know quite what to do. And in the end, she said, look, uh, I'm going to need to ask you guys to come back. I'm really sorry, but you're going to have to come back tomorrow and have an appointment with the the head of fetal medicine. Uh, and, And she'll be able to talk to you about the problem. So we went home. And, and had one of the, the worst 24 hours that we've ever had. You know, what was going on? And the following day, we got back uh, to the hospital to see the head of fetal medicine. And um, she sat us down and very plainly, clearly told us, your uh, fetus has uh, a lethal condition. It's not compatible with life. Um, basically the skeleton uh, isn't growing properly Uh, arms and the legs are are short uh, and crucially the ribcage isn't developing Uh, so actually this pregnancy might might go full term but the chest cavity will never develop and so even if a child is born they'll never be able to breathe because the lungs won't be able to inflate This fetus is not compatible with life. You need to terminate this pregnancy now. And we were just speechless. We didn't know what to say. And it was crazy when I think back. They were so certain with this diagnosis. And they said, you you need to terminate this pregnancy. And it was almost like then they just kind of got out the the menu of of abortion. You can do it like this, or you can do it like this, or you can do it like this. And it just felt like this was the only option that we had. And we just sat there silently. We didn't know what to do. And eventually, uh, the doctor said to us, well, all all you could wait 
a little bit and come back and we'll scan you again later. And we said, oh, we'll do that, please. We want that option. <laughs> and, um, and then she said, but she said, but it won't make a difference. It won't make any difference. And so we headed home and we were broken. We were absolutely in pieces, as you can imagine, just completely a mess. And, and actually, at the time, we were living with a whole bunch of friends. There was a, a, a load of us living together. Um, we were living in a big church house on site at our last church, and, and it was, it was a, an amazing community. And, uh, and actually, as we went back home, uh, this community gathered around us. And they stood with us, and they prayed with us, and they cried with us. And actually, as we stood there in fellowship with others, even though we didn't know what was happening, we knew that we had to continue with this pregnancy. And we just had to put ourselves in the hands of God. And so a few weeks later, we went back, strengthened by the community around us. And we said to the doctor, yeah, we're not going to terminate this pregnancy. We don't know what's going to happen, but you know, that's not our call to make. And the doctor said, the doctor was like, are you sure? Are you sure? And they kept on, and they kept on reinforcing this diagnosis. Are you sure? Are you sure you understand what I'm saying to you? And we said, yeah, this is our decision. This is what we're going to do. And so eventually the doctor said, okay, fine. We won't talk about this again. Um, and she wrote in our notes, this couple is committed to pregnancy. And she said, but I'm going to scan you every four, every four weeks. We're going to have, have a scan, and I'm going to look after you myself, to the head of fetal medicine. And... Uh, uh, and so we, we went away, again, not knowing what was going to happen. And in fact, it is interesting, because now we were literally just about to come up to the time when we, we were due to go to Focus. For those of you that, that don't know, Focus is uh, kind of our, our church holiday away. You know, it's when we get to go away every year with just literally hundreds, thousands of our friends. Uh, churches uh, from across the country gather together, uh, and we get to worship God together. Uh, we get to listen to some incredible teaching, uh, and we get to have fellowship together. Uh, and we were kind of they're thinking oh my goodness we can't cope with going to focus not with this news not carrying this burden just to be around so many people we can't cope with that and then as we thought about it and prayed about it we felt that actually where else would we rather be where else would we rather be than with the church them with our community and so we decided to to go to focus and, and we went to focus and and people gathered around us and they stood with us and they cried with us and they prayed with us and together we kind of wrestled with this thing that we did not understand and as people cared for us somehow even in the midst of this just not knowing uh, in this desperation we we were soothed we were soothed somehow. I don't think I've ever cried as much as I cried that year at Focus. And we came back from Focus with strength to continue. And continue we did. And as we did, the prognosis continued. And I guess one of the things that happened, because we were getting scanned every month, so time after time after time, actually we saw the, we saw the, the detailed development of of what had been diagnosed at the beginning. And, uh, and actually, as we saw uh, our, our baby 
growing and developing, we could see that there was a problem. Uh, I don't know if maybe you're familiar, some of you will be looking at scans and you know, often you'll see the abdomen and the chest and the head, these kind of three clear bits. And actually as we looked at our scans, we could see uh, kind of the abdomen here and then it kind of teardropped down. And, and then there was the head, kind of this, the absence of, this, of a chest growing. And we could see that the doctors weren't just making it up. And in one sense, that just made it all the harder. But with, with family and friends around us, with a church that was praying for us and caring for us, we, we held on. And it was just the most remarkable experience for us to have to be cared for. You know, Charlotte and I had both been involved in church for, for a long time. You know, we'd been used to caring for other people. And all of a sudden, we were broken and we needed people to hold us up, support us and to care for us. And it was the most humbling experience to be loved and cared for by a church who loved us so much. And it soothed us. But the prognosis continued. And, uh, and I guess we found ourselves in a place where, uh, where we believed, we absolutely believed that God could heal. But we didn't know if he would. And I'm sure many of you have been in, in that situation. And, and we know that God doesn't always heal as we would like him to in every situation. And we're left with so many unanswered questions. We're left with so many challenges. But actually together as a church, as a family, we come together and we choose, we choose joy in the midst of uncertainty and in the midst of change and in the midst of, of what can seem like the chaos of life. And no matter how God works in our situations, we choose to recognize his faithfulness to us. And know that he does have all the answers, whether we know them or not. You know, I, I love the verse in scripture that talks about Jesus bringing us peace that goes beyond understanding. You know, we can, as God's family, as God's body here, know Jesus' peace always. Whether we understand it or not. That is Jesus' promise to give us peace, to give us joy in all circumstances. You know, it's an amazing privilege that we get to stand with one another and remind one another of that. So we believed that Jesus could heal. We didn't know if he would, but we believed that he could. And we knew that no matter what, he would give us his peace. And we would find joy. We would be able to choose joy. Pregnancy got really, really complicated <clears throat> towards the end and um, we found out that, that the baby was breached and so that gave us a whole other another layer of complications and uh, we ended up going back to the hospital again and again and again and again and in the end, uh, after what just felt like such a long, drawn-out season of being told negative after negative after negative words, uh, we uh, elected to have a caesarean and, uh, and, and it was booked in for the 9th of, of January and we went home to Charlotte's parents for, uh, for Christmas the worst Christmas <laughs> we could have ever had. And I guess we got to the stage of just thinking, 
we don't, we don't want this child to be born now because actually at the moment it's here. And we could, we could feel it and we could see it. It was with us. And actually when this day of the birth came, we didn't know if it would still be with us. And um, we headed towards this ominous date, the 9th of uh, January. And then I think by the grace of God, by the grace of God, late at night uh, on the 5th uh, of January, uh, we were watching uh, Batman and uh, Charlotte was kind of laying on top of me and she was being really fidgety and I was getting really annoyed. Just sit still. Come on. I'm trying to watch the film. I hadn't seen it yet. It was like the new Batman. And, uh, and, uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, just before 11 o'clock at night, uh, Charlotte's waters broke in the most dramatic fashion. And, uh, uh, and all of a sudden, it was, it was chaos. And I, I called up the hospital and they said, are you sure? And I said, yes, I am sure. Uh, and they said, Look, well, it's okay. Uh, it's, it's first pregnancy. There'll be a long labor. You can just make your way slowly to the hospital. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. And, uh, and we were out in Essex and we had to get over to West London where our hospital was. Where we, when we needed to go there because there was a team of uh, kind of special pediatric team there that was going to be waiting for us uh, and so I kind of got in the car and, and I was trying to breathe uh, and Charlotte was sat next to me and I, and I didn't speed and we went uh, through London and, um, and, and got to the hospital uh, and, and some of our friends from church, we called them up um, and, um, and, and it, was, it was midnight by the time we got to the church and they met us outside the hospital so they could, uh, we could jump out and then they just grabbed our car and took it away so we didn't need to worry about the car and then uh, Charlotte was wheeled into triage and, um, and, uh, and, and they said, it's, it's fine, you know, we're just going to check you out, but it's, you know, it'll be fine, um, we're just going to take our time, and at some point through the night we'll, we'll do a cesarean, and then the nurses um, began to check Charlotte, and, uh, and so they said, oh, we can feel a foot, we can feel a foot, go, 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 and all of a sudden... It was chaos again, and we were rushed into, uh, into the theatre, and, uh, and, and I was given uh, one of those theatre gowns, and, um, and in fact, it's a strange thing, so I, I, got, I got to the hospital, and they, they, so they gave me this gown, and it was massive, it was like really big, it was really big, and I, I said, it's really, and they said, oh, we're really sorry, you sounded bigger on the phone, and then... <laughs> That actually happened. I'm not making that up. Surely they had other ones in the hospital. I don't know. They prepped this one. Anyway, so I was there in all my, in all my kit. Uh, there were loads of people in the theatre. I think there was about 16 of us. It was, it was like a circus because there were so many extra people there. And, uh, and it was just crazy. And then and even, even minutes before they were going to perform the caesarean, the, the team of doctors were calling me over and said, Mr. Williams, Mr. Williams, you do, you do realise that we don't expect this child to survive. I said, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah just, just, just get on with it at this point. But they're constantly trying to manage our expectations. And I sat at Charlotte's head and, uh, and the team did uh, a caesarean and, uh, and they lifted our baby up. And immediately she began to cry. This baby that we were told would never breathe was screaming. And then she kept screaming. <laughs> and, uh, and, they, and they rushed her over into the corner and this kind of gang of doctors all kind of huddled around. And, and I was still sat with, with Charlotte and, and I was kind of looking around. And then eventually one of the midwives beckoned me over 
And, uh, and I went over and I saw our beautiful baby girl who had gone a perfect pink color as her blood had fully oxygenated and she was breathing. She was alive, she was healthy, and it was a miracle. And in fact, the consultant, the head sort of pediatric guy said to me, he kind of looked at me and went, well, this is a pleasant surprise. <laughs> so, so, I said, a pleasant surprise? Is that the best you got? This is a miracle. You know, somehow, somehow there in the midst uh, of, of the fellowship and the love that we had experienced through the church who gathered around us and prayed for us and cared for us, somehow uh, God had moved in power. God had moved in power. And so on Epiphany, on the 6th of January in 2013, Adelaide was born. And I love Epiphany because I look at my little girl and I just see God who has appeared and has revealed himself to me in the most remarkable way. That we saw his soothing, his healing, and his love. And she is a constant reminder of that. But Epiphany is not just about me. It's about how God has appeared to the world. Every single one of us. And as we step forward in this new year together, together, we get to carry that love, that healing, the soothing that we find in the, in the power of the Holy Spirit and in fellowship. We get to carry that. We get to look after ourselves, care for one another, and to care for our community. You know, what an exciting, what an exciting thing to celebrate at the beginning of a year. God appears.